Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. Welcome back to Suicide Pages, the podcast. My name is Dr. Lulu. I'm your favorite momatrician. I'm your best-selling author and speaker on child, teen, and young adult depression and suicide. I'm here again today, back with just a wonderful guest. We've been trying to get this thing done for three, four months now. This child is so busy. I love it. I love her so much. Her name is Winnie Mabena. I love it, love it, love it. She is from Zambia. She is joining us all the way from the motherland. Miss Winnie is a fighter. If you know what is a fighter, a warrior, and just a winner. Yes, it makes sense that her name is Winnie, right? Because she is a winner. She is an author. She is living get this, with HIV, but she is looking the virus in the face, like take that virus. She has spoken at many, many places. She's a speaker and she shares her knowledge in a special project called The Knowledge Effect. I mean, hello, knowing when you know better, you do better. This woman is living beyond the virus is what she likes to say. She's living, she has a a Facebook page and an Instagram page called Living Positively. And she's just making a difference and allowing people to be able to face those fears, which, you know, we all have. She has had a, a, a bout with depression and she has had a bout with suicidality. So without further ado, Miss Weenie, thank you so much for joining the family all the way from Zambia. Thank God for technology. Winnie, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be a part of this. Uh, and I'm, I'm just hoping that this uh, moment is going to uplift someone and take them out of those societal thoughts that they have and begin to live above every challenge that they are facing. I'm really humbled and thank you so much for inviting me on this platform. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, you reached out to me. I don't know if you remember that. You reached out to me. Yes, so I'm yes. so thankful and just, I feel so blessed because it's not, you know, many are called, but few are chosen. There's just yeah. so much harvest, but very few laborers. So when we find ourselves working on the same side of, of the farm, this is a good thing. So thank you also yeah. for spreading the word and talking about that, which most people don't want to talk about living with HIV. I talk about suicide and you talk about HIV. And this is a good thing. We have to... Silence the shame, silence the, you know, the, the, the yes. fear and all of those just bad energy that comes with, with 
with yeah. all of the stuff that we're going to talk about today. So, Miss Winnie, thank you so much. Where do you want to start? Where would you like to start? I know you, you, you told me you've struggled with suicidal ideations and suicidal behavior and depression, which makes a lot of sense. So where mm-hmm. do you want to start with us, ma'am? Well, I want to start because there's always a beginning for everything. And I want to just start from how did it all happen? Because someone might question, like, what happened? How did you get to this point? So at the age of 16, I was, uh, while I was in my 12th grade, and I was a very innocent child coming from a Christian background. And then I, I just so much believed in God. And just to be transparent, I so much believed in, mar- in sex after marriage. So, yeah, so I was living, believing all these things, which were not wrong, of course, and I still believe in them. But along the journey, I learned that I'm HIV positive. How did it happen? One day I knocked off from school, I got home, and I found my mom is back home. And she told me she wanted to share something with me. And as I was trying to, to, to put myself together, like, what could my mom be? Because, you know, when you're a child, your mom calls you for such, you're thinking, maybe there's something wrong and then that you have done and she wants to, to share it with you. So my mom broke the news in that moment that she was HIV positive. Mm. But after she learned about it, she was like, I feel like all my children should go out and maybe all of you should take a test and just be sure of what your situation looks like when it comes to your status. So we did the test and we were like so excited because we thought we were supporting mom in doing it anyway. And Mm. because I was so innocent, I even didn't think I was going to be one of those that would have to deal with this situation. Mm. Because at the same time, I was trying to comfort my mom and give her support and just show her love. And because at that time, stigma and discrimination was very high. And people didn't have so much knowledge. So when we got our results and... Unfortunately, it was very hard to learn that I'm HIV positive. I couldn't Mm -hmm. believe it because the little knowledge that I had was that maybe people who are promiscuous are prone to such infections. But for me, at the age of 16, it looked like it was drama. I just just didn't understand, like, what's happening? How do I get through this? And so taking in all that didn't take a day, didn't take months. It took years for me to accept and in the process, I went down into feeling so, so uh, I hated myself, actually. I didn't want, I just felt like, okay, let me just give up. And then also, I didn't want to leave. And in the process, I couldn't share this with my friends because that was the, an issue that was not well talked about. So I didn't know how they would react, whether I'm going to be rejected mm. or they are going to accept me. And so all these things took me down to a point where I got depressed. Sometimes I didn't like to eat. I didn't like to take care of myself because I just felt like the only thing I wanted was to die. Mm. So, yeah. So I went through this whole journey until at a point when I just got to a moment where I started thinking maybe it's better for me to die than to live. So I was thinking, how was I going to take my life? And how would I just die? There are moments I went to bed and I was wishing maybe in my sleep I could just wake up and people just discover I'm dead. But in all this, 
I had to show up because I was passionate about helping people in communities, talking about ending child marriage. But there was also this girl who was dying inside herself, like she didn't know who to talk to. So the situation. Well, the mask. You were in a, in a, yes. Mask, yes. We all tend to do. We all wear mm-hmm. masks, different shapes and different sizes of masks, but we all have a mask that we're wearing, and we just have to learn to remove the masks. Wow, that's mm-hmm. amazing. So inspiring, so inspiring. Yeah. So I was wearing this mask. I would show up and people thought I was this strong and vibrant young girl who was doing what she knew best. And inside of me, when I go to bed, sometimes I'm in a room, my, my, my siblings are sleeping and I'm crying and I'm wishing I could take my life, I could die. There are times I would be walking and I'm wishing maybe a cup would just bash me and, and then I just die. So then it became much more real when men started asking me out because I was growing now. I was like 20 or something. And so I was in college, like I was at the university actually. And, you know, men would ask me out like they want to date me and things like that. So it became more real because now when I tell them, like they'll tell me they love me. And now when I break the news, like I'm HIV positive, and maybe that was the last time I heard from someone like that. I believe it. Yeah. If not, then they would walk away. So all that um, really contributed to how I felt. And also because I was not comfortable about talking, sharing what my status was to people. I also got to a point where I was not even comfortable to take my medication at times <sighs> because I had to find places where I was, that was like killing myself in the actual sense from a medical perspective. Mm. Like, how do I start avoiding my drugs just because I'm scared people are going to notice me, people are going to see me do this. And then also when I talk about it, maybe to someone, someone out there, how are they going to receive the news? Would they really like judge me or how do they take it? So it, it was a very hard time for me and it was a very difficult situation for me to accept i can imagine, but, I, can imagine. Yeah. I wanted before we go too far i wanted to go back a little bit and ask as far as the home and you you can if you want to you know not, not yeah. answer this but were there any other siblings that were also positive or was it just you no it was just me at the time it was just me oh. yes that is hard yeah. yeah, it was just me, yeah, because it was it was hard for me to understand how it all happened. Not that I wish my sisters to be in my situation. Of course not. I mean, I thank God for that because yeah. there's a reason why it had to be me. So I'm really grateful for that. And I'm so grateful working, too, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, so goodness, I... I, I'm actually like short for words. I, I don't get short for words often, but this is so painful. I was going to share something with you, by the way. Um, I have, because of you, because of the testimony you shared with me in July, my next book is about teenagers and their struggles. And one of the girls in the book is from Kenya. And she is HIV positive because of you. I mean, you know, I, you inspired that piece. You know, I had to go back and add her because I was like, I need to showcase that. Now I came from the angle of 
virgin rituals. Of course, I, I had to because that is such a devastating news to hear. Yeah. But I had to go there so I could talk about it. And at mm-hmm. one point, I stopped, I stopped reading. I said, I can't take this anymore. But anyway, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to thank you because forever, forever, your memory is going to be in my book because of you. I went, I was like, let me look at this. Let me see. What is this about living with HIV? Wow. Interesting. Thank you so much for sharing your story. But so God, so how did you manage? I mean, going back to you now, how did you manage with the men? How do you manage and how has that experience been? Has it been everything you thought it was going to be? Do they really run away when you tell them? Yeah. Of course, I had experiences because at that time, I didn't even know what my purpose is. I didn't even know myself. So I grew up in an African culture, like typical African culture. At a certain age, they expect you to get married. Mm -hmm. People begin to question, when is your wedding? What's happening? Mm -hmm. Who's your boyfriend? Even among friends, like in your teenagehood, people would ask you, like, who's your boyfriend and what happened? So it used to be very hard for me to share stories but also one thing that i encourage young girls out there is when you're in a situation like hiv positive sometimes we want to settle for the men that don't even uh deserve us because we feel like just because they have accepted who we are yeah so 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 that's that's something someone has to really like note as they take on a journey to having a relationship with someone but also, I went through a series of rejection because some people didn't understand about my situation until I had to come to a place where I first accepted that this is what was going on in my life. And that's the first step. I talk about some of these things in details in my book. So I share in, in my book, Living Positively, the Willing Abena story of how the experience had been. And so... Um, when you come to that place, like I accepted, like this is my situation and I needed to go on. I needed to acknowledge where I was and also see what do I do next. And so from that small step of just acknowledging that this is where I was, I began to draw lessons from, from listening maybe to different people. Of course, it had to take with acceptance for me to come out in the public. Like I felt so healed after accepting. It became much easier for me to share my story. And the first time I did share my story was when I shared it to one girl who was so uh, depressed and she was crying. And then I told her how my situation had been. And that girl inspired me to begin to talk about it more often in public because I felt like, okay, so there are people who are going through these things. I'm not alone. So there are others who need to hear this message. And so from that point, it gave me um, powerful emotions per se, or maybe a strong feeling for myself that even when a man walks into my life and they ask me to date me, and then I tell them my status and they walk away, I don't feel bad. I respect them. Amen. I I respect them and I understand. Because what I believe in as a Christian is like what God has ordained for me, it shall surely come to pass. So I don't worry about who walks into my life because sometimes it's not just men. There could be female friends who do not just feel comfortable about you. Yes. So that's how I have learned to deal with it and to just accept that this is what's happening and understand. But also one thing that I also learned is how you disclose your status as well because sometimes... 
we just don't know how to go through that process of, of making mention to someone how ready are they to listen to you and to to just give your support in that trying time yeah so how so how do you decipher that i love that because i think you we talked about that the very first time we spoke how do you then decipher quite frankly when and how to disclose your do you have any tricks because in this case it might be <laughs> hiv positive in another case it could be something else i mean it doesn't have to be hiv it could just be how do you tell somebody you have herpes or whatever i don't know how do you tell somebody this is something i've never even really thought about and i'm sure if i not thought about it many people have not thought about it. so that's such a deep level of knowledge to be able to know how do you disclose it well um like i mentioned i i talk about some of these things and also i i do give support to young women going through my situation from my mentorship program. Mm -hmm. So how do you decipher? Sometimes we are too quick to tell someone like this is my situation. So you need to learn the person first, mm. understand what type of personality are they, like who, what, what do they speak about people? Because sometimes I've had conversations with people within uh, maybe three to four times after talking to them, you realize that they do not, they cannot understand your situation. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you can try different tricks depending on the person, not really tricks, but try to assess. Because sometimes you might pose a question like, so what do you think about this issue? And when you hear people talk and you'll be able to understand like, okay, this is what they have. Because sometimes like at work, you find that you're sitting, you're working and people just pass negative comments about my mm -hmm. And then I will be able to know, like these people cannot really take it well if I was to share with them that this is my story, this is my truth. So all that gives you hints on how the person looks at you. But also even the way people treat you would also matter, like they really love you and if you open up to them, they would still understand and be there for you. So that's that also is so true. something yeah something to note because sometimes we because this is my experience and i also share some of these things even in my second book because i went more detailed of how i got into a relationship because i was looking for acceptance yes i wanted yes i wanted someone who could accept me but also we have to get to a point where we don't think that we are going to heal from our brokenness if we get into a relationship so when you come out of that space it will give you a moment to reflect, even if you meet people, you know, even the way they treat you, the way they talk to you, the way they value your time and everything else that, okay, even if I was to tell this person, they're going to understand. I usually ask uh, a number of girls this funny question when they come to me, like they tell me, no, I was rejected because of my status by a man. I ask them not to mean it in a bad way. I ask them to go back to themselves and think of a situation where they are negative and someone comes and they are positive. I want them to ask themselves, like, could I accept this person? What would their view be? And sometimes we, we don't talk so easily about even people with different situations, like albinos, like people living with cancer and whatnot. So I asked them, if you were to be met with such a situation, someone comes before you and they want to date you, and this is their situation, would you accept them? Exactly. So, I have, so I have found that to come to a place where all of us begin to see each other equal. The same, so yes. Begin, 
Yes, you begin to understand that even if someone refuses to date you, it's nothing to do with what you're going through. Yes. It's about them. Them. Because yeah. they haven't learned what your situation looks like or maybe they don't have knowledge. Because the issue of uh, HIV also is also about mindset. Because the mindset that people have towards it is that it's a deadly disease, it's a killer disease, and people sit down waiting for their death. Death, oh my of, God, yes. yes. Because of what people, the society has labeled it to be. In my situation, what looks, what is looked at to be normal, which is abnormal, is that I'm supposed to be a sickler, I'm in and out of hospital, and people get scared to, to be in your space because they're afraid they're going to deal with that. So what is also looked at to be normal, which is abnormal, is that maybe I might die anytime, and if I have a partner, I might transmit the virus to that person. So people get really scared, like, oh, so I'm going to get, they are not aware of their preventive measures, like this. There's a way you can protect yourself from not transmitting the virus to another partner. Of course, if you love someone, who would want to just transmit it like that? Yeah, so those are some of the things that we have. And also, if we look at our society, West, even in the church, when you say you're HIV positive, people think you're promiscuous. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. So all those things, they bring out... Uh, misconceptions about people living with with HIV and that also creates a gap on how people should treat people living with HIV and how they should also live their lives because now you begin to like not everybody is strong and has gotten to my level to talk about it openly. Exactly, exactly. So, Even me as a doctor, a lot of people still look at me like, well, why is she talking about that? the fact that she was suicidal? Well, if I don't start talking about it, I'm not going to start talking about it. So I'm going to yeah. talk about it. I don't know if it, if it makes any sense. But yeah, yes. so we have to, somebody has to. And yes, when I said, oh, I'm LGBT. Oh my God, you're African, you're LGBT. <gasps> then they, they can't think past that. And I said, well, that's your problem. I'm gone. Yeah. I'll see you later. Mm-hmm. You know, because we have to own it. We have to own our stories. We are bigger than our stories. And our, we limit ourselves far too much. I love this interview. I'm just learning so much from you because, I mean, I hope the listeners can hear that too, because this is so true. We put up all these little, little barriers. Oh my God. So many barriers. We don't see people who they are anymore. We see them for what they do or what they have or whatever, you know, and the soul is sick because it's so deep. I can't even. I can't even finish my own sentence. But it's so <laughs> right. I mean, for real. Yeah. yeah, it's really sad because this, these are misconceptions that have been like created by society. I think I would. I would bless you with 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 a note from from my book, if you don't mind. Like what I say about mindset shifts and 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 also like how people talk about it i'll just i'll just read something to you yeah i want to of course which of the books yes. though you said there was a second book so which of the books is yes. living positively the women the first one. story okay. yes the first one so uh, in my introduction i say quite often people living with the human immune virus which is hiv go through a series of rejection stigma and discrimination this is coupled with denial and lack of acceptance in many circumstances, these adverse effects are pressured by societal beliefs communicated to the person affected. 
in some instances that HIV is a deadly disease and people barely survive. Such beliefs do not give one an opportunity to think that even when one is HIV positive, they can still live a happy life, be successful, and achieve their goals in life. That millions of HIV positive persons may have suffered low self-esteem, depression, leading many to give up on life and their dreams due to the limiting beliefs about available about HIV. We must work to change the narrative of HIV, understanding that living positively beyond living positively is beyond living with HIV. It's a lifestyle. So HIV is not the only challenge. There are many. Yes. So that's, Yes, that's, that's what I talk about. So some of these things that we've gone through regarding the disease is because of what has already been communicated to us. Yeah. But I believe that the power that made the body has got the, is the power that heals the body. So if we just center everything based on saying people say this, then we're going to attract that and it will become our reality. Yes. I cannot do this because I'm HIV positive. I cannot make it happen because I'm like this. So I talk about my story <clears throat> on different platforms because I believe that it has got the power to heal someone. It's, it has got the power to heal other people. So mm -hmm. it's about learning to turn your mess into a message that you can use to, to share and to, to help other people who could be in your situation. Because the fact that I have stepped out of a space where I felt uncomfortable to openly talk about it, that means I have learned and have become experienced to assist someone to get to that space where they can feel free in their identity. I don't usually advise people to go out in the open and begin to talk about HIV openly until they are ready to do so. Until they're ready. That is so true because for yes. me, I was molested. I was raped actually in medical school. And for the longest time, I just kept telling myself that it was my fault. Because that's what the society says. Oh, what did you wear that night? I can't remember. What did you do that night? I, can't, I, don't, I don't drink alcohol. I, no, I did. Yes, I walked in to use the restroom. I did not ask to be raped. I was not ready. I was a virgin. I didn't want that. So no, I did not ask for that. But the whole time until maybe my mid to late 40s, I was like, wait, what? I'm not even, it's his fault. He's the one that raped me. Like, I had to, it took a minute. And so I can talk about mine. It's okay. There's nothing you could do about it. I've gone over that and beyond that. That's, that's my history. But I'm going to have to build building blocks from it. And maybe someone, maybe one person will hear my story and say, you know what? Me too. And that's exactly what you did with that little girl. You spoke to her and you gave her a me too moment. Me too. Look at my own story. Me too. I've been there. Me too. I'm talking about my walk, about which is what spirit. my point is about. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I love that part when you say me too. I think, you know, we need to understand that I'm not the only one going through this. Because when you share your story, because I remember that you've just reminded me of the time when I went public with my story and I was invited to speak at the Women with, uh, Women with Stories conference in Nigeria. And so when I Imagine. shared my story, yes. So when, when, when my story went public, I started receiving messages in my inbox on Facebook Messenger because it went public first on Instagram and Facebook. And the Me Too messages were so touchy. Yes. So I got to that person like, 
me too me too so i was like god and you know when you begin to listen to such message of how your story has made someone to, yes to yes to to just live again I'm like we need thank you for sharing this story me too and you know i don't share this with pride that i told my story but i share this because this is what is giving me life today mm-hmm. because every day i wake up and i receive a message like thank you for this and then i'm like god then my life has a purpose then there's something that i am doing so i am just and that gives me life it gives me the energy to do more of what i do so i just love that part so there are many people who go through that but also on the other hand you find that people don't know how to comfort you and the next thing they're going to tell you like even so and so is going through this <laughs> but sometimes that's not the best way to give comfort to a person who's going through something that you might not have experienced or something that society looked at to be weird or deadly or to have different eyes on it with negative eyes So sometimes we need to know how best can we comfort such a person. So even when you come to a point of sharing your story and opening up, you must also understand that not everyone is going to buy in your story. Yes. Because I am HIV, not everybody is is matured enough to just comprehend everything about you, about your truth. So you have to be ready for others moves. That's why I don't usually advise people to tell their status until they're ready because there has been negatives in my journey and there have been positives. Mm-hmm. But when I worry both the negatives outweigh the ne- the, the, the positives the positive outweigh the negatives. Far outweigh. Far yes. outweigh. Yes. Far so, I love it. Exactly. That's why I keep on doing this because sometimes I would receive people because I am HIV positive they think I am being funded to write my book. I have to do this and all that. But then I keep on chasing my dreams. I have to make sacrifices for these things to happen. Yes. I have to yes, I have to work like a normal person. I wake up in the morning, go for work, knock off in the evenings and I have to sit down and maybe do some podcast like this. Exactly, because I, that's exactly right. You know, you know, from in my own case I quit my job. So what I say is I quit my 9 to 5 to work 24/7 because now I'm working yeah. for myself. So there's no yeah. you know, ifs ands or buts about it. I'm actually like if I sleep, I then I don't I don't make the money or whatever. I don't know. It's not about money, of course. It's about just having a purpose. Once you see your goal, and my my youngest my my younger brother told me, he says, "Sister, if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough." And so he Exactly. We <laughs> have this ginormous dream and I put on my on my little thing there, my um vision board. I wrote they don't have this post, okay? It doesn't exist, but I put it speaker the united nations speaker on youth suicide this is my goal my goal it doesn't exist but i need to put that as my goal so i that's where i'm going so i have a direction it's not easy to talk about being raped i'm a nigerian woman what are you talking about it's not easy to talk about being suicidal i'm a doctor what are you talking about but i have to because there are doctors who die by suicide every day and maybe exactly. one of them might hear my voice and say wait what did you do And I said, "Well, <laughs> I did." And then, you know, I've saved one person. I can't save everybody, but I'll try. Every person counts. I believe that every person counts. 
So there's no statistic that we should take for granted. Like even if it's for one person, we have to be grateful that there is one person out there that we are helping, that we are helping to realize her full potential in a way that she thought maybe suicide was the last thought because of the situation that has befallen her. So sometimes when you look at HIV, because sometimes people think that's the most deadly disease, but sometimes people commit suicide because they don't have money. They commit. You know what? I posted on my, I think, Twitter this morning, depression is not the number one reason for suicide. Despair is. When we had the dot-com bust in 2008, there was a spike in suicides. They didn't have any, any diseases. They lost their money. They lost their purpose. They lost everything that they've built their whole life. And that for them was enough. So everybody's resilience is different. What can make me tip me over may not tip you over. And that's okay. We're all different. So that's amazing. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. I agree with that 100%. You don't have to have a disease. Some people would die even before the disease would have killed them because they've already talked themselves, they've talked themselves crazy. Out of the situation, they have talked themselves out of life. Out of life. So, yeah, so we need to have love and compassion. I always say that it is not enough to just be there for other people and just tell them it's going to be okay. But if only we can do it from a place of, of being compassionate, being, if you think of what if it was me, then we would spread the love for ourselves. And mm. also what's amazing about what you just said about the vision board, this is something interesting about being positive. Like I talk about living positively, like that's my brand mm-hmm. because being positive is something that's amazing. You know, when you are positive, it doesn't matter what's standing next to you or what's standing ahead of you. You will not even see it. You will, you will face the giant and say, okay, this is me you're dealing with and you want to stand right here. So I believe there are small things that people can do to stay positive, creating a good environment for yourself. Who are you talking to? Mm-hmm. Who is in your, in your team? Who do you call your friends? What do they mm-hmm. tell you? And what are you feeding your mind with? What yes. are you watching? Mm-hmm. All those things, they contribute to what we feel and the emotions that we express. So sometimes so it counts with little, little, little things like the music you are playing. You are so depressed and you are playing this music, which is taking you into a worse situation. So after- or you are watching a show, like, you know, or you're watching a show, you know you're sad already, and you're watching mm-hmm. a TV show that makes you cry. Like, yeah. why are you doing this to yourself? Where is the self-compassion? Where is the self-love? Where is the self-kindness? Because you can't, you know, you said, come from a place of love and compassion. One of my two favorite words in the world is compassion. Well, you must have enough compassion so you can give. Otherwise, if you don't, you can't give me from a place of empty. I say that on every single episode of my podcast. Because it's the truth. C'est la vérité. You have to come from a place of fool. If you're wobbling on one foot, you're not ready to talk about it. I don't want you to go public with your story and then that is actually going to make it worse for you. I don't want that. That's mm-hmm. not the plan. So yeah, yeah. I love it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So we have to take care of this small thing, the music. What does your day look like? I have learned to do small things like creating a vision board for myself. When I wake up, it should be the first thing I see. And, and like you say, even if it doesn't exist, 
Mm-mm. As long as I begin to see it. To see because, it. Yes. Then I can manifest it. Yes. I've I always been have. wanting to do this. Yes. I love it. I've been wanting to do this podcast forever. Since I heard about podcasts, I said, I need to have one. I need to have one. And, I, and, my, and then my coach was like, well, you know, you're doing this. You're doing. I said, no, no, no. I have to have one. It, it was so hard in my heart that I needed to, I need a platform. I need people to talk about this. I told, I said, no, you know what? I'm not going to listen to you, coach, because I need to talk about, yeah. And then boom, and it just took off. And people like you found me and are like, I want to come share my story. And I'm so thankful for that. So sometimes when you stay focused, there will be things coming at you. And you say, no, I want it. This is laser, laser focused vision. Laser yeah. focused. Wow. So that's very important. So also what, what really helps again is that when we are choosing friends, sometimes we want friends that will speak just the good things. No, you look beautiful. You look good. But sometimes it's okay to have friends who will step on your toes and tell you, you are better than this. You can get out of this situation. You can do better. So I came across friends who I thought were very harsh, but because of their harshness on me, it made me rise. It made me get out. Yes, it, it sharpened me. It made me get out of that self-pity party that I was holding for myself every now and then. Like I would wake up and I'm comforting myself. And every time I talk to someone, I want them to tell me, no, it's okay. And to just defend me and to keep me there. But sometimes we need to find people that are just going to speak truth out of us and help us to get out of it. And so these people could be like your coach, your mentor, and, and, and things like that. Because like for a coach, they'll, they'll just help you to push, to give back to your purpose. It could be a mentor. You would need to find someone that you can confide in and be transparent and be open enough to tell them everything that you feel. That will also help us to get out of our societal thoughts, to get out of a place of thinking negatively about who you are and, and, and what society thinks about you. And then also, I always encourage young girls as well and other women that the way society defines you is not exactly who you are sometimes. So you must have a personal definition for yourself. Who are you really? When you sit down, who do you call yourself you are? So now if you have a personal definition of who you are, you will show people how they should treat you. I love that. Yeah, you will show people how they should treat you. Because there were times I thought, because I'm HIV positive, I walk in the room and I'm sitting on this corner. When someone comes, I want to give them my space to sit on, even if I know I deserve better. Wow, this is amazing, amazing testimony. Yeah, so you must know, like, whatever you go through, could it be HIV or whatever, it doesn't take away your value. Yes. It doesn't. Not mm-hmm. even one, one bit of your value will be taken away by it. So we must learn how best can we win, can we champion the challenge that is before us, how best can we win out of every situation that we go through? Or how can we gain from pain? How can so, we gain from pain? That is so powerful. I'm always looking for quotes. How can we gain from pain? And I was listening to a poet. The poet, this guy, his name is called Humble. Humble the poet. He said he likes to talk about the fact that nobody can teach you what only you can learn from your pain. 
Nobody can teach it to you. Only you can learn it. And, you know, somebody else said in another podcast, things don't happen to you. They happen for you. It's hard to put your head around it, but it's true. It's true. And the reason why we think they happen to us is because we never give ourselves a chance to look at the positive side of it. Limitations, yes. Trust me, Mm -hmm. if I didn't grow up in a rural community, I didn't have that experience, it would have been pointless for me to start the knowledge effect because I wouldn't know what rural children need. Wow. So, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the knowledge effect because I want us to go there before I forget to tell us what it's all about, but go ahead. Yeah, so if I didn't, if I wasn't HIV positive, I don't know what story I would have been telling you right now. Exactly. We will have, our paths would have never crossed. <laughs> you yeah, know? I don't know. Would have never crossed. So sometimes I was this girl. So now this, this whole thing is beginning to make sense because I was a little girl and I was telling myself, I want to write a book and I grow up. I want to speak on different platforms. But I really didn't know what stories what, I was going yes. to share. Yes. So everything works for our good. We must, no matter how hard it is, we must try and see the positive side of it. We must learn to shift our mindset and be able to look at something positive out of that situation and run with it. Even if it's Amen. a small, small space of positivity, run with that small piece that gives you positive energy and, and, and just hold on to it. Yes. Because they surely light at the end of the tunnel Amen. so we must yes and the most important thing is to be alive for as long as you are alive you can change your story your future you can what rewrite in it the past, you can rewrite, you can rewrite it yes That's you right. can rewrite it you are the author of your story so story, you can always go right. back edit 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 until you have what you want to see winnie i have goosebumps listening to you i hope my my listeners can feel the passion in this woman. Oh my God. Edit, edit, edit. It's your story. You're writing it. Write it how you like. Write it how you like. Every morning you wake up, you've got your eyes, they open. Another day for you to rewrite. I love it. Wow, Winnie, good girl. I can't even believe that we're almost, look at, oh, okay. A couple of things I need from you. I need you to tell me where can the listeners find you? And then I need you to tell us if you have any words of encouragement, which you've been telling us all day, really. But first, where can they find you? What are you doing? Tell us about the knowledge effect. I love it. Well, first, the knowledge effect is a nonprofit organization that is working to empower communities through promoting literacy. So currently we have a program where we are helping to finance education for rural children. In the community where I live, um, we have children who fail to pay, say, $2 per term for their school. So I reach out to different people, to individuals, if organizations are willing to support these children with anything that can help them to just live their dream by going to school. Because I believe that's also another way of promoting literacy. And also we have like reading clubs and we also provide mentorship because all this is an inspiration for my personal journey and story because one of the things I struggled with was career choices. So then how do we help these children? By providing mentorship, we help them to, we give them hope. These rural children, of course, my focus is on the rural children because I feel they are underprivileged as well. So we give them hope that they can become anything they want. It doesn't matter where they are. 
So we are open to support. I would make it. Yes, known. I'm going to, I'm actually yeah. going to sound that for those people at the back that she, yeah. the knowledge effect is a nonprofit organization. It is accepting donations. You've heard it. That we only want the knowledge effect. If you look in, if you Google it, if you can't find it, put the knowledge effect, Winnie, First book. Zambia, yeah. and it should come up. So no excuses. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Wow. So also, um, uh, what else? Where can people find me? So I have a website for Living Positively Brand. So out of this book, I developed a book brand, which is Living Positively Brand. So I have an Instagram page with the handle Living Positively, the same as Living Positively Brand, the same as on Facebook. So I also have a website, which is uh, livingpositivelybrand.com. If people feel like sending me an email, they can always send an email there. And I also provide mentorship, like there's a positive breakthrough session that I have especially for people living with HIV and my focus are young women between the ages of 20 and 32. So I, I talk to people because I believe people go through a number of things and then I'm here to provide support and just see them walk through that. So if they're looking for my book, Living Positively, The Win My Banner Story, it's available on Amazon. So they can go to Amazon and get it. And also my second book, Dear Young Woman, is also available. So I'm excited that Dear Young dear um, young woman ranked Amazon bestseller. So, yeah. Oh my God, so, that is the best thing. I'm just having goosebumps listening to you. Yeah, oh yeah. So, so they can support because some of some of these are uh, like like when people get to buy living positively. Some of this, these monies is what helps me to see that the children at the knowledge effect are supported, and that's that's how we keep going. And keeps pushing and, and empowering and your young and, woman. Yes. Yes. Oh wow! I love it. So I am also, just yeah. So also under the Living Positively brand, I am also available to speak at different conferences, Boom, platforms, right there. locally mm. and internationally. If people want to talk about issues to do with mindset shift and decision making, and living positively with HIV, well. I'm that international speaker. <laughs> Amen. You know what? I ain't even mad at you and nothing wrong with putting yourself out there because one of my friends says, you can be the best business in the world. Your biggest problem will be obscurity. If nobody has heard about you, then, you know, and that is why Coca-Cola, as much as the, of all the money that they have, Coca-Cola advertises every day because you got to put yourself out there regardless of who you think you are. So I ain't even mad at you, my sister. I ain't even mad at you. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been a power packed hour. She came and she laid it all out. Her name is Winnie Mabena. This is a girl, a black girl that rocks. She is the unicorn of all unicorns. She's living with a very difficult disease talks about how she came from selfdoubt.com all the way to suicidal behavior depression feeling worthless hopeless all of that but guess what one day she said you know what me too i'm going to share my story with this little girl and boom a star was born thank you so much winnie for sharing with us this afternoon or morning wherever you are thank you all so much for listening 
Y'all, this is Suicide Pages. This is Dr. Lulu. This is your favorite momatrician, your author, your bestseller, and your speaker signing out. Y'all stay blessed. Remember, life is short, so live it to the max. And on that note, I'm going to say goodbye to Miss Weenie and, um, and our goodbye to all of y'all too. Until next time, America, be good and kind to each other. Bye.